0: Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. Hi everybody, this is uh, Adrian just doing the Hebrews 3 and 4, I we, we, uh, gave this uh, Bible study at services last week, but we didn't record it. And for those of you who are following online or who perhaps didn't make it to services last week, I didn't want you to miss the content here so that as we go on in Hebrews, I want to make sure that everyone's caught up to date. So I'll just uh, record it here at home. Uh, forgive any background noises that you might hear. But again, I just want to make sure that you do have the content for Hebrews 3 and 4 uh, available to you when we post this online. So uh, we looked at Hebrews 1 and 2, and basically Hebrews 1, what we saw there was that God has spoken to his people, the Hebrews, and he spoke to them through their, or spoke to their fathers, but in these last last days, he's speaking directly to them through his son. And then uh, the Apostle Paul is starting to build the argument that his son, uh, Jesus Christ, is greater than the angels. And we saw that uh, the the law and many of the messages, the revelations, were given to the fathers uh, through angels, but Christ is superior to the angels. And therefore, in Hebrews 2, chapter 2, he was then showing the level of commitment that they should exercise as a result of understanding the superiority of Christ and his message. So now we come to uh, chapter 3, and just before we get into the chapter, I just want to provide a little bit of context. And the first is, uh, as we get now deeper into the book, we're going to receive warnings from the Apostle that are very severe in nature. And, and because of the severity of these warnings, uh, you'll find people who will uh, try to explain the warnings away uh, fundamentally with the, because of the doctrine, once saved, always saved. And, and the book of Hebrews really presents a challenge to this doctrine. And I just want to spend a bit of time explaining that this is not something that the book of Hebrews supports, and those of us who are perhaps leaning this way, uh, the book of Hebrews should really knock that concept out of our minds. Now, this doctrine, it does not stand alone. The once saved, always saved doctrine is part of a doctrinal system. Mm-hmm. And it's something that really came about in the middle of the, uh, or in the, in the Middle Ages, with uh, Martin Luther in his revolt against the Catholic Church and his insistence on faith alone is what's required for salvation, which was really a reaction to the corruption that was in the Catholic Church at the time. And, and because of this faith alone or grace alone, uh, this is where the once saved, always saved doctrine came from, to say that once you pray the, pray the prayer and you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you really don't need to worry about ever losing your salvation. And this is a doctrine that came about around 1450, 1455. And we can't take this doctrine and try to force it into the book of Hebrews, which is really a private conversation between one Hebrew and other Hebrew believers. So this is a a Hebrew conversation that we're really eavesdropping in on and to take a, a, you know, a doctrine that was developed in the Middle Ages and try to insert it into this book, it just doesn't fit. And as I mentioned, it's part of a system that is you know, faith alone for salvation, uh, the Trinity, that we're born again now, that our reward is to be in heaven, and that Christ completed the law for us. When you put these doctrines together as a system, once saved, always saved, makes sense. That the, the, the Godhead is closed, so it's, not a, it's God is not a family, and there's no way that we can enter that family. So if we're saved now, it doesn't matter what we do today. We can be as evil as we want to be. We can engage in whatever behaviors we want to. We cannot lose our salvation. Well, that makes sense if we're not going to be in the Godhead. And that makes sense if, for eternity, we're just going to be in heaven. And we're not going to uh, be doing anything. We're not going to be instructing others. uh, to, To say that we're going to be in the millennial rule of Christ and teaching others to keep his law. When throughout our lifetime, we never kept it. We were rebels. This just doesn't make any sense. To think that we can be born into God's family as rebels, as people who do not follow God's law, this doesn't make any sense. So, so this doctrine, once saved, always saved, is part of a doctrinal system that does not belong in the church of God and certainly is not uh, it it presents a problem and you'll find people trying to explain the book of Hebrews away trying to say that Paul is speaking to different audiences he's speaking to believers and he's also at the same time speaking to unbelievers and when he's speaking to unbelievers that's when he tells them that they're going to be uh, damned and, and condemned to hell and when he's speaking to believers all he's saying to them is that they're going to be punished this is really trying to work around A very obvious text that it is possible for believers to lose their salvation. And even if you look at 1 Corinthians 9, and beginning in verse 24, Paul himself makes it clear that even he, the apostle, can lose his salvation. He says here in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? so run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body, and I keep it under control. This is works. This is works. He, he makes sure that he's, he's working as a Christian. Why? Lest after preaching to others... I myself should be disqualified. So, so very clearly, Paul is, is obvious that he could lose his salvation. He could be disqualified. And to, to try to read Hebrews and believe that we, there's nothing we can do to lose our salvation is to completely dilute and neutralize the impact of this letter to the Hebrews. It's important to realize that, yes, salvation is by grace alone. It's by God's grace However, there are conditions to our salvation. Just because God gives us this gift of salvation doesn't mean that it's unconditional and we can do whatever we want and we can violate His law and He still has to honor that. No, no, no. Uh, Salvation is a gift, but there are conditions. And one of the conditions is that we repent of evil and we strive to obey God's law. Now, so one other um, backdrop before we get right into the Uh, book of Hebrews chapter 3 is the the persecution that the Hebrews are facing. So first of all they're being persecuted by their own brethren, the Jews who reject Christ uh, just as Paul was there hunting down the church and persecuting them. That type of persecution is still uh, around or they were still facing that type of persecution and then they were also being persecuted by the Roman Empire and in particular the Emperor Nero was uh, I think he was insane and he was ruthless in his persecution of the Christians. And here in this uh, quote, eyewitness to history, it says here, Nero persecutes the Christians, 64 AD. And it says, in their very deaths, the deaths of the Christians, they were made the subjects of sport. For they were covered with the hides of wild beasts. So they were made to uh, look and smell uh, like animals. And therefore they were worried to death by dogs. So, so they were actually uh, eaten and attacked and eaten alive. Or they were nailed to crosses or set fire to. And when the day waned, they were burned to serve for the evening lights. So so Nero basically used Christians as candles to, to light up his garden parties. And this was the manner of persecution that these Hebrew saints were facing and beginning to reconsider their commitment to Christianity to reconsider their commitment to Christ and and to think that it's okay for them to go back to just uh, a Judaism that is uh, absent of Jesus Christ but they would still be keeping the law they would still be religious and that's what the basic message here in Hebrews is you cannot go backward you must commit to Jesus Christ and no matter what you have to face face it but don't go backwards and do not renege on your faith (coughs) Okay, so with that, let's go into the book, Hebrews 3, and beginning in verse 1, it says this, therefore, holy brothers, so notice who Paul, and, and it is, I'm quite certain it's the Apostle Paul, and there's some argument that it could be, and there's a number of people that it could be, um, it's very, very clear as you look at this, this is the Hebrew of the Hebrews speaking to the Hebrews and if it is not the Apostle Paul because you know, he didn't sign his name to it um, it is certainly one of the Apostles and I think when I hear some of the uh, commentaries mentioning all kinds of people even Priscilla may have written the book the whole point of the canon the whole point of the New Testament is the Apostles were dying and as the Apostles were dying the brethren realized pretty soon they'll all be gone and we need to make sure that we capture their words. So all of the words in the New Testament are words of the apostles, and, and the concept, the ideas such as Priscilla might have written the book of Hebrews. This is ridiculous. It has to be one of the apostles, and it, and it has to be a, a Hebrew apostle. This is some very stinging criticism of the of, of the Jewish religion, and to have a Greek or a Gentile criticize the Jewish religion at, at this with this level of intensity it, it, would, it would just be impossible um, so anyway I will say the Apostle Paul because I'm quite convinced that it, it is him if it's not him it's, it's one of the Apostles therefore holy brothers he is speaking to the brethren he's not speaking to unbelievers he's speaking to believers you who share in a heavenly calling so this calling is from heaven uh, Jesus Christ and God the Father Uh, God the Father calling, and Christ has our calling with him. He's coming to earth, though. So, So the fulfillment of the salvation will be on the earth through the millennium, but the calling right now is in heaven with Christ and with God the Father. And this is who he's speaking to, the brothers, the brethren, who share in this calling. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. So we are those who confess to this way of of Jesus Christ and now he's telling the Hebrews to consider Jesus who is both the apostle and the high priest the apostle is one sent so Jesus was sent by God the Father so God has spoken in various ways and at different times to our fathers but today he speaks through his son to us and so, so Christ is really the apostle he's sent by God the Father but he's also our high priest And and the Apostle will, will really elaborate on this notion that Christ is our High Priest, but he introduces it here. So on the one hand, God is communicating to man, and he's the Apostle, he's sent by God, but also he's our High Priest. He's the one that takes our concerns and and our issues to the Father. And so it's a two-way communication. God is communicating to us through him, but he is communicating to God as our high priest. And it says here to uh, consider. Now this word consider, the Greek word katanapeo, it means to perceive, to understand, to observe, to consider, to contemplate, to discern. To detect, to have regard toward, so so it's something that he really wants them to pay attention to the life of Jesus Christ. Why is that? Because Jesus Christ was faithful to the end. It, it doesn't. It didn't matter what he faced. He faced the most excruciating of deaths, and he never reneged on the faith. He could have. He could have easily said this is too much and backed down, but he didn't. Because of the joy that was set before him, he withstood whatever suffering he had to withstand. And this is what the Apostle is telling the Hebrew brethren to consider. That yes, we're facing some severe persecution here, but it doesn't matter. Be very, very clear on your vision of of what the ultimate outcome here is. And no matter what, face what you have to face, just as Jesus Christ did. Verse 2. Here, here it is. Uh, consider uh, the Apostle and High Priest of our Confession who was faithful to him who appointed him. Just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. So, so you'll find through this letter to the Hebrews, it's a, it's a systematic shutting down of any credibility of a, of a form of Judaism without Jesus Christ so first he addressed the angels now he's addressing Moses so Christ is superior to the angels he's also superior to Moses so it says here that he. so it's not to negate Moses he's actually giving the proper regard and respect to Moses as the lawgiver. and he says here that Christ was faithful to him who appointed him Just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house, quoting the book of Exodus here, then in verse 3, for Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. So yes, Moses was glorious, Moses was faithful, but Christ has been counted even greater than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. So in other words, there's no comparison. It's like taking a flashlight that might be really bright in the night, but when the sun comes out, it's not that the, the flashlight is not good. The flashlight is useful. But there's no comparison of the light that comes out of a flashlight compared to the light that comes from the sun. And so yes, Moses was, was faithful, and he was honorable. And he deserves all the faith and honor that we, we bestow upon him. But compared to Christ, there's no comparison. It's like comparing the builder of a house to the house itself. Verse 4. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house. So, so now he's putting he's showing the difference. So one is... You know, the builder of the house compared to the house. But then now look, let's look at Moses. He was faithful in all God's house. And how was he faithful in the house? As a servant. So, so within the household of God, yes, he was faithful, but he was in the house and he was faithful as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But there's a difference. Christ is faithful over God's house. So one is in the house, the other is over the house. One is faithful as a servant, but Christ is faithful as a son. And and certainly within the Hebrew culture, they would understand the significance of difference between a servant and a son, a firstborn son. So Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And now again, we, this is who the letter is to. It's not to believers and unbelievers. It's to the Hebrew believers. And we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. And this really is the, 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 the secondary theme of the book of Hebrews. So, so the first theme in the book is the superiority of Christ. And, and, and he's going to talk about the superiority over the angels, over Moses, over Aaron, over Abraham, over the first covenant, uh, over the, the tabernacle. He's going to list all of the pillars of Judaism and show how Christ is superior to all of these pillars. And that there really is no Judaism, no, no faithful Judaism without Christ, now that Christ has, has come to earth but the second theme because of that you know therefore and you'll see this throughout the letter therefore he's drilling down and building a case because of the superiority of Christ therefore we have to be faithful to him and we have to be faithful to the end and and it's only if we are faithful to the end that we can be counted part of the house and this is for everybody this is even even the apostle Paul himself could disqualify himself if he's not faithful. So, we, so the whole point here is to not neglect this salvation and not allow it to slip away, but to hold fast to it, to hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. And, and as he said in, in uh, chapter 2, you know, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. So it's something, and he will talk later in this chapter as well, about hardening the heart. So we can can neglect our salvation and we can drift away from it. And we can allow our hearts to harden. It's not that everybody starts with a hard heart. And there's a difference between people who have a soft heart and people who have a hard heart. No. We all start with the same heart. But through the deceptiveness of the heart, the deceitfulness of the heart, we can allow it to harden and then we don't hear God's voice anymore. And that's what was happening to these Hebrews. They, they, were, they were trying to be clever, trying to rationalize their abdication, trying to rationalize uh, reneging on their commitment to Christ by, by, by saying that there was, they were still being faithful by holding on to their Jewish traditions. And, and here uh, the apostle is making it clear that we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. That faith comes by hearing, and we mustn't allow ourselves to drift away from it. Verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So it's interesting how this letter opened, and it almost sounded like you know something to be proud of, the fact that God in various ways and at different times has spoken to our fathers and that you know sounds really special that he hasn't spoken to every, everybody on the earth he has focused specifically on the Hebrews and God has spoken to our fathers so something that sounds like we should be proud of but as the apostle drills down on this now what he's showing them is that the fathers were unfaithful. That, yes, God spoke to them and sent various prophets to them, but no matter what prophet he sent and no matter how he spoke to the fathers, they were always unfaithful. And now, God is speaking to us through his Son. And so the question we have to ask ourselves as Hebrews, remember this is an an internal conversation between Hebrews, and we get to eavesdrop on this conversation. So as Hebrews, we have to ask ourselves now, Are we going to be unfaithful like our fathers? So, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear His voice, because today He's speaking through His Son, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. So, so He's taking them back in time now, and they know the history of their fathers, how their fathers all believed in Moses, and they all left Egypt with Moses. And they all left Egypt with a high hand. But once they were in the wilderness, their faith was compromised. And their hearts began to harden. And it's the same thing for the Hebrews in, in Paul's time. So they all left sin. or they, they left Egypt, spiritual Egypt. And they embraced Jesus Christ. But Christ did not return right away. And now they're being tested in the wilderness and they're allowing their hearts to harden. And so he says here, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. And so this is a horrendous history, uh, a a terrible legacy in the Jewish and in the Hebrew-Israelite heritage. And here he's reminding them of that and saying, do not be like your fathers. Then, if we take a quick look at Acts 7, uh, to look at the history here in verse 35, uh, again, he, you know, the, the, the Jews elevate Moses, but here in Acts 7 and verse 35, what was Moses' experience in dealing with the Hebrew nation? This Moses whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? So this is the history of the fathers that God sends them his prophets and they reject them. So even though they, uh, they really revere Moses today, or at the day that uh, the Apostle Paul is writing, uh, they, the fathers rejected him. This Moses whom they rejected saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. So again, the, the history here of the Hebrews uh, relationship with angels and how these angels spoke to, their, to the prophets. but So, so Moses uh, was set, sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for forty years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. He received living oracles to give to us. Our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside. And in their hearts they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make for us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who led us out from the land of Egypt... We do not know what has become of him. And then dropping down to verse 51. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. And so this is really the, the standoff between the Jews and the Christians. Those, those Jews that accepted Jesus Christ, they accepted the Messiah. There was a stand-up. Was, uh, Christ was a polarizing figure to the Hebrews. And just like their fathers, they rejected him. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the Righteous One, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. Notice this, that Jesus Christ was betrayed and murdered by the Hebrews. And and the Hebrew Christians now have to make a decision. Are they going to go the way of their fathers and be unfaithful like their fathers? Or are they going to be faithful? Whom you now have betrayed and murdered, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. And again, earlier in chapter 1, he says, you know, if those people... Our fathers, who received the law, uh, the Word of God by the hand of angels and rejected it, and and the punishment that they will get for doing that, how much greater the punishment we will have if we reject the Word of God that didn 't come to us by angels but came to us through his Son, back to hebrews three and now verse ten, continuing to quote the the psalm here, uh, the apostle writes. Verse ten. Therefore I was provoked with that generation. That generation actually provoked God. And said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So these were the people of God that God sent Moses to them to deliver them from Egypt, took them out of Egypt, they all believed, they all came out of Egypt, and then instead of going straight into the promised land, God had to stall them for 40 years, and cause all of those uh, adults over 20 years old, cause all of them to die in the wilderness, except for Joshua and Caleb. And then if we look at Deuteronomy 1, going back to Deuteron- Deuteronomy 1 and verse 29, He says, Then I said to you, Do not be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. So this is where they they were now going in to spy out the land, and they wanted to get a sense of what the land was like, and they're being told here, Be faithful. God brought you out of Egypt, and he will take you into the promised land. And so he says here, don't be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you, just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. You saw the miracles. You saw how God brought Pharaoh down. And in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you, as a man carries his son, all the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God. And this is the sin that the Hebrews are facing now. It's unfaithfulness. It's God gives them his word, and just like their fathers, they're not believing the word of God. So here it is. In spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God, who went before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents, in fire by night and in the cloud by day to show you by what way you should go. And the Lord heard your words, and was angered, and he swore, Not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give to your fathers, except Caleb the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him and to his children I will give the land on which he has trodden, because he has wholly followed the Lord. And then he goes on to say also that Joshua will inherit the land. So there were two men that that believed God. They they were faithful. But the rest of the Hebrews were not faithful. And this is the same thing that's happening uh, in Paul's day. That the Hebrews were not being faithful. And that was the whole point here. The whole point of the letter is do not renege on your faith. Look at Exodus 20. (coughs) Exodus 20 and verse 6. Sorry, not Exodus, Ezekiel. Ezekiel 20 and verse 6. We get another recount of the unfaithfulness of the Hebrew fathers. On that day I swore to them that I would bring them out of the land of Egypt into a land that I had searched out for them a land flowing with milk and honey, the most glorious of all lands. And I said to them, Cast away the detestable things that your eyes feast on, every one of you, and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me and were not willing to listen to me. None of them cast away the detestable things their eyes feasted on, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said I would pour out my wrath upon them and spend my anger against them in the midst of the land of Egypt. But I acted for the sake of my name that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations among whom they lived in whose sight I made myself known to them in bringing them out of the land of Egypt. So I led them out of the land of Egypt. So they were... were Uh, Unfaithful in the land of Egypt, then God had mercy. They believed Moses, they came out of the land of Egypt. So I led them out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. I gave them my statutes and made known to them my rules, by which, if a person does them, he shall live. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes, but rejected my rules, by which if a person does them he shall live. And my Sabbaths they greatly profaned. Then I said I would pour out my wrath upon them in the wilderness, to make a full end of them. But I acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations, in whose sight I had brought them out. Moreover, I swore to them in the wilderness, that I would not bring them into the land that I had given them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most glorious of all lands, because they rejected my rules and did not walk in my statutes, but profaned my Sabbaths, for their heart went after their idols. Nevertheless, my eyes spared them, and I did not destroy them and make a full end of them in the wilderness. And I said to their children in the wilderness, Do not walk in the statutes of your fathers, nor keep their rules, nor defile yourselves with their idols. I am the Lord your God, Walk in my statutes, and be careful to obey my rules. And keep my Sabbaths holy, that they may be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord, your God. But the children rebelled against me. So they were in Egypt, and uh, they were unfaithful in Egypt. But God still acted, and had mercy on them, and brought them out of Egypt. Then because of their unfaithfulness when they came out of Egypt, he kept them in the wilderness for 40 years. Then the whole adult population died off, except for Joshua and Caleb. And then he told the children, don't be like your parents. They were unfaithful. I'm going to take you into this beautiful land of milk and honey. And so he took the children into the land. And the children were unfaithful. As soon as Joshua and his generation died off, the children of Israel were the worst. They were just unbelievable in their evil, even though God had blessed them and warned them. And so this is the history of the Hebrew people it's one thing to say that yes God has only spoken to the Hebrews though of all the people on the earth you only have I known. but the reality of the situation is they were unfaithful and that's what Paul is warning them about in this letter the children of Israel rebelled against me Ezekiel 20 verse 21 they did not walk in my statutes and were not careful to obey my rules by which if a person does them, he shall live. They profane my sabbaths. Then I said I would pour out my wrath upon them and spend my anger against them in the wilderness. Back to Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3 and verse 12. Take care, brothers. So this again, it's to the brothers. This is, this is a brotherhood. We're all Hebrews here. It's one Hebrew speaking to other Hebrews. Take care, my brothers. Lest there be in any of you is that no, no one is exempt here the whole population Paul is speaking to every single one of us let's take care lest there be in any one of us what an evil unbelieving heart this is the key to the letter of Hebrews that within us doesn't matter who we are we have this human heart which is deceptively the deceitful above all things it's desperately wicked Who can know it? So beware, lest there be in any of us. There's nothing good about any of us. The only thing that can make us good is God's Holy Spirit. And we can only do that if we cultivate it and cultivate our relationship with God. But if we're going to neglect this salvation, then the human heart will have its way with us. So take care, brothers. Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. You might say that you're going to continue practicing Judaism, but now that Christ has come, now that the Son has come and revealed the Gospel to you, if you go back to Judaism, what you're really doing is rejecting Christ. And what's, all that's happening is you're operating from an unbelieving and an unfaithful heart. And you're trying to rationalize your behavior because you don't want to be tortured, you don't want to be killed, you don't want to be inconvenienced. So take care, brothers lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. Again, if we neglect this salvation and drift away. But exhort one another. It doesn't say, you know, just exhort the believers and ignore the unbeliever. This is the whole population. We need to do this together. Exhort one another every day, as long as as it is called today, that none of you, that this could happen to any of you, We want to make sure that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So just saying, you know, I'm going to go to the temple and do the sacrifices, and I'm going to be a Jew, but I'm not going to accept Christ. This is sinfulness. This is wickedness. And you can try to pretend and try to uh, convince yourself that you're still being faithful, but you're not. You're rejecting the word of God. You're rejecting the Son of God. And it's the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. And here again is this theme that because Christ is superior then we must be committed to the end. And no matter what we face, let's just face it and never give up. Verse 15. As it is said, Today, today, if you hear his voice, for he's spoken at many times and in different ways to our fathers. Through the prophets. But today, he's speaking to us through his son. And if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? So faith comes by hearing. And the whole population that was in Egypt heard and they believed and they left Egypt. And yet, that same population hardened their hearts. And so, with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear, that that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So his rest then was the promised land, They came out of Egypt, they were in the wilderness and they were to go into the promised land which is the same place that the Hebrews found themselves in. They've come out of sin but they've not yet inherited the the promised land, the kingdom. They're in the wilderness and, and they need to make sure that they are not unfaithful in the wilderness. So we see that they were unable to enter how or why? Because of unbelief. This is the key. That they must have a believing heart. And if we just look at 1 Corinthians 10, where the Apostle Paul addresses the same issue, beginning in verse 1, he says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, all of them, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ so there was no double audience here he's not talking about some were believers and some weren't believers and Paul is talking to the believers sometimes and other times he's talking to the unbelievers no, they were all considered believers they were all considered the household of God and they all drank from the same spiritual drink they all ate the same spiritual food and they all came out of Egypt together. Nevertheless, verse 5, With most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things took place as examples for us. We, we face the same risk. Otherwise, there's no point in us looking back. But these things happened as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did <coughs> do not be idolaters as some of them were as it is written the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play we must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did and 23,000 fell in a single day we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents so it's very clear as you, as you read this letter to the Corinthians and combine it with the letter to the Hebrews that we're not free to do as we like and think that no matter what uh, God owes us salvation no yes salvation is a gift but it comes with conditions and if we violate the conditions we'll be destroyed just as these ancient Israelites were and they're here for an example to us we must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let listen to this, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. So there's, it doesn't say, you know, don't worry, once saved, always saved, there's no, no issue, no concern that you have. No. Even if you're doing well, be careful because you can still fall no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to men and this is even the case with the Hebrews what they're facing is not unusual it's, not, uh, it's unusual for us but at the time it's not something that they were you know, the only ones who were facing this type of persecution Christ himself faced it the other Christians were facing it God is faithful And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Let's go back to Hebrews, and now we'll just do a bit of uh, Hebrews 4, uh, and then we'll finish for today. Hebrews 4 and verse 1. So because of all of this, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, so as long as that promise still stands, as long as we haven't entered into the kingdom yet, let us fear, let us, let us not, not the unbelievers among us, let us, all of us, fear, lest any one of us should seem to have failed to reach it. This, this is a very, very serious letter. It's a very serious warning, and the warning gets increasingly intense. So this warning is to all of us. So because of this, because we understand now how unfaithful our fathers were and how these things are examples for us and that they lost their salvation in the wilderness and they did not enter the promised land, that we are now in the wilderness and if we are unfaithful, we can also lose our salvation and not enter the promised land. So therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, Let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news, or the gospel, came to us just as to them. It's a parallel. What happened to them is now happening to us. And the test that they had is the test that we have now. So the good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So, they heard it, but it didn't benefit with them because they had unbelieving hearts. And the the heart is desperately wicked. And these Hebrews now have to be careful that they are not allowing themselves to have their hearts hardened and become an unbelieving heart for we who have believed enter that rest. So this is all about belief. As he said, as I swore in my wrath, God swearing in his anger, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So he's saying, we know God has a rest; it's the Sabbath, because He created everything and then He rested. And yet, even though the Sabbath is uh, historical, He speaks of a rest in the future, and He swears that they shall not enter His rest. So, so going into the Promised Land then is a type of Sabbath, or the Sabbath is a type of the Promised Land. So God created, worked for six days, and then He rested. And then he wanted to bring his people into his rest. But they failed. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news or the gospel failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day today, saying through David this is uh, quoting the Psalms now so long afterward so uh, long after the situation with the fathers in the wilderness he says through David today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts so he's saying clearly there's yet another rest there's another promised land ahead of us so the, the first rest was the Sabbath and then we see that the Sabbath was really symbolic of his kingdom and the Promised Land. And the fathers at the time of Moses they didn't enter that rest. He swore that they would not enter, and they died in the wilderness. And yet, hundreds of years later, with the prophet David or the, the king with King David, he says through David that today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So there's still another rest. So yes, there was the promised land, but there's still another rest. And, and, and so Joshua did not give them the full rest, even though he took them into the promised land. Because God is now still speaking of another rest. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. so so again these are Hebrews talking Hebrews talking to each other we're eavesdropping and they're saying we know that God has this rest but it's not just a Sabbath the Sabbath is actually symbolic of something and the rest that the fathers were taken into uh, with uh, Joshua that was promised to Moses that's not the rest that's not the full rest because hundreds of years later through King David he says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your, your, your hearts, lest you are not taken into his rest. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So there, there are works to do until we enter that rest. It's not once saved, always saved. There are conditions. And we have to strive and work to enter this rest. But it's spiritual work. It's working on this deceptive evil heart and building the character of God. And we have to keep working and keep striving and keep fighting against this evil heart until we enter that rest. To, to have this concept that once saved, always saved, and, and like I, there's nothing I can do to lose my salvation, we will really miss the power of the warning in this letter to the Hebrews. We have to work. It's not, you know, sit back and there's nothing you can do to lose your salvation. These people lost their salvation. And they are uh, a sign for us. They're an example for us upon whom the end of the ages has come. Verse 11. Let us therefore strive. Let us work. We have work to do. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. There's a rest ahead of us. The, 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 the rest that Joshua gave them was not the full rest there is still a promised land ahead of us the kingdom of God is still ahead of us and we have to strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience any one of us can fall and we have to be careful let him who thinks he stands take heed so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience For the word of God, listen to this, the word of God is living and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. This, This is really powerful and severe in its warning what what the apostle is saying to the Hebrews is I I know you're trying to be religious I know you're trying to appear faithful I know you want to present yourself as faithful Jews you're hypocrites I know what it is to have an evil heart because I have one and we have to labor and strive and work against this evil heart and we need to be able to discern it and, and, and trying to put across the notion that you know we're going to go to the temple and we're going to do our sacrifices and we're still going to be faithful we're just not going to follow Christ anymore do you know what? that is wickedness and that kind of thinking springs from an evil heart and the word of God is living and it's able to discern these thoughts and it's able to get right down into the marrow and into the joints and into the division of soul and of spirit And and God really knows what you're thinking. And you cannot fool him. And no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So ultimately, we must stand before God. And we will be judged by his word. And we have to make sure that in none of us is an unbelieving, unfaithful, wicked heart. We have work to do. We have to strive. We have to exert all effort. We cannot allow this great salvation to drift from us. God has spoken to us today through his Son. His Son who is superior to everything. His Son whose name is above everything. And this is the Son whom, to whom well, we get to address High Priest and have a relationship with. And he's spoken to us in this time. But this is difficult. We we are dealing with the great God with our evil hearts. And we have to make sure that in none of us is an evil, unbelieving heart. We are a community. We're all in this together. And we have to exhort one another while it is called today and strive to enter that rest. So we'll stop at verse 13 and then the, the next study will will pick it up beginning in verse 14 this has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International we hope you are blessed by it to find out more about CGI Burlington visit our website at cgiburlington.org